Welcome to episode seven of AngelCast with me, Adam Cunis. Me, Andrew Burton. And me, Donald Taylor. Welcome back, Donald. Welcome back, Andy. Um, this week, we are going to be uh, talking a little bit about um, some games of Warhammer Age of Sigmar that we played in person um, outside. <laughs> uh, although by the time this episode comes out, we could have played them inside. So, you know, it's a, it's a crazy world that we live in. Um, Donald's going to have a bit of a chat to us to, um, and there's going to be some spoilers in this episode. So I want to say that right from the start. Um, if you don't want spoilers for the Broken Realm books up to uh, the end of uh, Bellacore, then um, probably skip the narrative section while you're listening. Um, I'm going to lie to you now and say that I'm going to have enough time to go back through and decide what the timestamps are for the beginning and end of uh, narrative to help you out. But I probably won't end up doing that. Um, and then in um, the open section, we're going to be talking a bit more about board games, particularly uh, Warhammer Quest, but not just Cursed City. Donal has been playing some games of um, Blackstone Fortress as well. So we do a bit of a compare and contrast. Welcome back to the match play section. Um, we are going to be talking about the Age of Sigmar and playing games of Age of Sigmar, um, which we have been doing. Uh, Andy and I played um, a few weeks ago now, which you might have heard um, in episode five um, when we were discussing uh, how that had gone and what it was like to play Age of Sigmar after 15, 16 months of not playing Age of Sigmar physically and in person with other people. Um, so what did we do about it? And so I have the um, fortune of having a barn on, on, on where my house is up in Coventry. So I invited a few people up to play barn hammock because under the now extinct and hopefully never to return rules, <laughs> outside includes a space which has three walls and a roof. Yep. Um, and so because one, one wall of my barn is not there, it's a shutter. <clears throat> we um, we went up to my place. I'd sent out an invitation. Donald was invited. He said no, sensibly. Um, <laughs> nice. Um, so we had we had four of us up there. We did a little mini mini tournament. Um, yeah. Best of best of two. Best of two. Which is the perfect tournament score. Two times two two rounds for four people. Yeah. Two times two two squared is four. Yeah. Um. So four participants. Yep. Um. Adam won, spoilers. I did. Or rather, the Ogamore Tribes list that Donal basically wrote for me won. That was probably more accurate. Mm. But it was fun. <clears throat> we had, I, I played my Iron Jaws. I changed them from Big War to Iron Jaws and almost instantly regretted it, but that's fine. <laughs> um, Steve, um, who has hardly played any AOS at all, has he? Um, not recently, no. Um, brought his Daughters of Cain, which is quite nice. Um, yeah, it's really interesting seeing um, the new Marathi War Scrolls at play. Yeah, the double, the double. Yeah, page. I hadn't read the book, so I didn't have any idea how it was going to be different. I quite like it. I thought it was quite good. I feel I don't know. She, I mean, she's pretty good when she can. If she rolls well, just didn't foot foot slobbing heroes. Yes, thirty six inches, which is a bit crazy. But... Yeah, what's the name of that spell? Like. Black games, or black doom, or black, black something or other. Yeah, it, it pops you, pops you up. 
Um, so we did, did um, so we had that, and then you brought your more tribes. Your yeah, so I had my Yurl bad. I did, I did switch an artifact out, um, actually through discussion with uh, George and Donal about artifacts. Um, I was running the rune tokens to re-roll hits, uh, uh, hits, wounds, and saves for one of the Frost Lords for a whole turn a game, and I just wasn't actually getting... I wasn't getting it right. <laughs> I was using it all the, you know, wrong. And I haven't got a wizard, so I ended up taking the um, rune tokens instead. No, the skull shards. I had the rune tokens, so I took skull shards. And skull shards basically turns your frost lord into a knight encounter, um, so you can auto unbind one spell once per game. And um, actually, in the comp that we ended up playing, where we were against Marathi. Um, and the other army, Kieran, had his Legions of Nagash. Yeah, 20, 2018 IP, even crap at the time. Yeah. To 2021, even worse list. Nagash had transformed his spell portal into a time travel device, uh, and Kieran had fallen back three or four years to when that was a good list. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, Skull Shards, spoiler alert, manages to uh, stop. <laughs> what's I mean, it called even, even hand, hand of dust, hand of dust yeah. yeah that doesn't happen <clears throat> i mean even i managed to be kieran so. wow um yeah so I, I i played kieran first you played steve first um we elected not to play each other since we lived together and could legally do that anyway um it seemed a bit of a, a waste of time to do to do that having actually got the capacity to have other human beings in our presence and company which is obviously quite luxurious in the world that we now live in. Um, Iron Jaws, not Big War. Um, can you just talk through what the kind of concept behind changing the list was? And I know that you've said that you regretted it immediately, but were, was there anything positive about it? It's, it's, it's a different list. I don't think it suits... I mean, it's all in the allegiances. It was pretty much the same army. Um, I did drop out the battalion because for some obscure reason I thought it might be a good idea to move forward through time and try and play the rumor day or s3 with no battalions and it turns out really bad <laughs> but the main reason my lip, list deteriorated was because i flipped from big world to iron jaws now yep. cast my mind back to brotherhood in the heyday of pre-covid january 2019 january 2000, no 2020 yeah um I got utterly deleted by an Iron Jaws army, and I totally understand why it does that. Mm -hmm. um, and I suppose at some level I could have done that, um, but it's not my playstyle. Um, so I took the army that did to understand it, and the the major difference between the two is you give some stuff up when you go into Iron Jaws, but the major thing you gain is you can pick the turn you get plus one attack, and if you're really lucky, you get plus two. Okay, being able to choose seems good. It is, it is it is good. What it, the, but the difference is, is in a big while where you get it turn three or turn four, and Donald's like raising his eyebrows at me now, going, "Wow!" And he's talking about destruction, and he knows nothing. But um, if you're going to get it in turn three or four anyway, which is probably when I I kind of like to ease into things a little bit. It's a Zerg, it's an alpha list, right? The Iron Jaws to me is an is, a, is an alpha list because you go in, you want the optionality to do that turn one, which means you're probably going to use it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and you have that, you have that amazing ability to reach out across the board. Um, we suspect board sizes are going to go down. Um, so maybe that will be better. 
Although you, you don't have a, a fox that can move 12 inches in your shooting phase, their shooting phase, all the shooting phases. Um, and you took your pigs as well, which I was pleased about. Yes. And I mean, need to repair the banner. It was at least game two, wasn't it? It was game two. Well, that's okay. It survived a whole game before the banner got broken. Um, but yeah, they were good. Much more mobile. Banners are easy, right? The banners are about to be very easy for you, Daniel. It just, it just needed penny. Um, yeah. I just needed not dropping. It didn't get dropped. I, I, landed, <laughs> my, I landed my hand on top of it. Yeah. Anyway. Um, did you like pigs compared to... What did you drop for it? So the battalion was presumably so some of the costs. I dropped... So I went into Iron Jaws. I took Blood Tooth for the auto hand of Gork. Yeah. Because I had an auto hand of Gork, I dropped Weird Not Shame and the cast it. Makes sense. And I dropped the battalion, and the combination of those two things gave me six points. Pigs, and, are, and pigs are cheaper than they are in my head. They're like 140 uh, points. 160. Okay. <clears throat> so I got those two plus my Anvil Hero, who's a bit cheaper than Weird Not Shame. Yeah. Yeah, so the Anvil Hero was in, in place of um, a Megaboss, right? Because he wasn't painted. Um, and I made an Anvil of Apotheosis Hero for Andy's army, which is uh, a big lad on a pig with a flag and an axe. Um, it was fun. That's cool. It still has a flag. It just doesn't have the skulls on top of the flag. Well, how does he tell everyone how badass and who he's killed? If, and if we, if we want to kind of step away slightly and talk about superhuman abilities for a second, Adam standing eight meters away from me and watching me break the banner and then immediately responding, it's by your left foot on the floor, Andy. It was quite impressive. It's almost like you've been watching me for 10 minutes waiting for it to happen. I'm just, um, I just build and break a lot of models and kind of uh, know you, you were talking about knowing where mobs are going to run in World of Warcraft because you've watched it. I know where bits are going to go when you drop them on the floor. <laughs> <laughs> which is probably quite sad because that means i've dropped a lot of expensive models mostly my own mostly dragons mostly dragons oh my god um speaking of which if you want to buy an order draconis army mine is going away so please buy it so i can get some vampires um yeah and i suppose the other if we if, i mean we're, fo we're focused on other parts for this episode so if we do a whistle stop tour we did shifting objectives 2020 um, and we did forcing, forcing forcing the hand, and which was actually quite good fun. Yeah, and I feel like I lived the dream of that because when the game I that game I played Kiro, and I kind of waited him to overreach Nagash, yeah, and then dived in and won the game at that point pretty much. So it, the scenario didn't force his hand, but the the play of it did. And it was quite cool, thematic. Kieran forced his own hand in forcing the hand. <clears throat> um, yeah, I like the, and it's not just that scenario in GHB 2020. There's another one. I think it was it the one that we played Blade's the other Edge. week, Blade's Edge. It's quite fun. But it's it's the same concept where you you select the player selects which objective is primary, right? So Blade's Edge, you select one and destroy it. Sure. So you you the the player, yeah, that's right. So the player is actively deciding as opposed to it being random, yeah. which I think I don't know what what do you think about that, Donald? Um, I think there's like I haven't played it because okay. I haven't played any um, GHP twenty. You can come over to missions. The, to hey, that's true. Yeah, um, yeah. But I want to finish my ogres before I play, mm. and my ogre list keeps on changing. Um, 
So uh, I like the concept. I've heard good things, I guess, especially in the early doors. But I think being able to destroy, destroy kind of get, because you choose if you're going second, you you destroy, right? Or in that one, yeah. And then in the yeah, just, forcing the hand, one is uh, one is the primary objective, like in shifting objectives, right? So it's not yeah, destroyed, like but the, it's worth more points for that. I like the worth more points. Yeah. They're kind of um, polar opposites of each other in a sense. Yeah, conceptually similar, but one practically different. The objective, the other one is taking yeah. Um, it's certainly made for like more actual movement and stuff it 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 suited having beast claw because you just run over to the thing that's important and hit it really hard but i think it was a it was a tough um actually shifting objective as well was tough looking at it for kieran because you want to sit in a bunker casting spells at people and summoning skeletons to take stuff but if the stuff you're trying to take keeps moving if you've summoned your slow moving skeleton horde in one place and it's not been killed because it's not important because it doesn't score as much as a stone horn, for example, anyway, then you're actually very, it massively rewards movement and teleport heavy armies, I guess. Um, I mean, his whole army was basically the gash, the hero he continuously put next to the gash and two more gashes that were with the gash's wound battery and a bunch of, a bunch of troops with rubber hands. <laughs> yeah. Um, they should probably lose the ethereal rule if they have rubber hands. Yeah, that's true. Mm. Uh, but there we are. So it was nice, and we got it. We happened to then get to watch the preview in the evening. Um, the preview for AOS three um, and whatever world Kragnos is going to leave us in. So maybe that's a good time to. It was, yeah. um, it, was, it was also a golden demon preview because oh yeah, saw that was going to be a golden demon. It's just incredible the models that they release. You can really see painters and gamers alike buying them. Except for the rules. Except for the rules, but people don't buy models for rules, Donald. Come on, that's what TTS is for. Yes, apparently so. Apparently. Um, I can't say I'm experiencing that myself. Um, so yeah, all in all, Barnhammer was a great success, I yeah, thought. Yeah, it was fantastic. And it, it has been commented that that barn is actually big enough to put 30 or 40 people in it in the normal, in the normal world. And yeah, maybe so there, there might there might be a, a, a proper barn hammer at some point, but I think yeah, I think so. Not not least because you could certainly to play on them. It took me about four hours. I mean, you there is I'm, I could help. I've built tables before. Very exciting conversation. This uh, for the listeners. Um, yeah, I, I think that reasonably you could have ten players in there this year, mm-hmm. and it still be like vaguely safely distant and mostly outdoors. Um, so the, the, the idea that we're going to try and trap you into, Daryl, is um, doing um, one-on-one team events in Barnham. Oh, that's a great idea. Like the, the stuff Rob's doing with TSN. Yes, but just, yeah, like a, but without the, the cool stuff that makes TSN, TSN with like the list selection, yeah. it's, it's more just show up with the models that you have and play. <laughs> so yeah. without the band tiers. Yeah. The ban phase is fun, but you know we've we've got jobs and things to do. I can't. We also don't have like an infinite amount of models, so. Um, that's true. There are a fair few armies in this flat currently. Just whether or not any of them will actually work in AOS three is. Uh... Some of them work in AOS two. Yeah. 
That's fair. At least two of mine don't. And, and one of mine, because <laughs> most of my skating is still Yeah. Oh, right. I thought so you were referring Barn- to Allegiance of Nagash. Two of yours. Okay. Yeah. Barnhammer 2021 and then a bigger Barnhammer 2022. Is that what we're concluding? I think so. Excellent. That sounds fun. Um, we're going to have a bit of a chat now. And remember, there's going to be spoilers after the break. Um, we're going to be talking about the current narrative of the Broken Realms um, and what's been going on with all those books that didn't come out and then came out. And it's very exciting. Um, we're going to be talking to you about that just after the break. Welcome back to the narrative section. And if you are interested in the Age of Sigmar narrative, and I think actually now is a pretty good time to get interested if you were just holding over from the old world, because six years in, it's getting pretty detailed and pretty exciting. And I'm actually interested in what's going on with a lot of the characters. And Games Workshop have furnished us with a series of books um, that worryingly sounded like a new end times broken realms doesn't sound like it's going to end particularly well um and i imagine there was some suspicion that the addition of the game might have been coming to an end at that announcement even for those of us who didn't know that it was coming anyway um i gotta be honest i've not read the broken realms books myself but i really enjoyed getting a breakdown of it from Donal. So we're going to be discussing the narrative. As I said before, there will be spoilers in this section for the Broken Realms books. Please stop listening if you don't want to hear them. Okay? I mean, Good. That, that sounds like there may be spoilers interspersed with other things. Oh no, the whole thing is a spoiler. Like the next <laughs> the next 15, 20 minutes is just spoilers. That's the whole bit. <laughs> just ignore this segment. That is a good point. <laughs> so I mean, just I mean, ignore this segment having, having and, a- and come back. Yeah. Having had a preview from Adam, I'm quite looking forward to the reduced Shakespeare version of um, Yeah, Broken Realms. And at the end, Donald just sticks two horns on his head and gets on like a hobby horse and rides around. <laughs> that was so good. I've got like amazing. a little rocking horse in my house. Um, Even better. I'm um, filmed this and that can be part of our kind of media campaign. Uh, yeah. Exactly. So the, the first Broken Realms book to come out you know, in the vast depths of, you know, whenever, I don't know how time works anymore, to be honest, in, in the midst of COVID, but there was a Marathi book once. Uh, back in October or November, I think. October. Really? Yeah. There was wow. A, it was a long time ago. It was what, um, it was definitely when things were almost open before right. things closed. Um, so I think <laughs> it might've been October. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I guess for this, I can kind of talk about the general themes and then we can discuss more in depth. Um, does that work? Yeah, that works. So each, uh, so each, each Broken Realms book is broken into three acts. Um, Marathi, I think it, it's no spoiler for people to, to know at this stage, um, is her journey to godhood. Um, so anyone who's followed Marathi since the old world always knows that she's been um, interested in power um, and godhood and she's always been jealous of the pantheon that everybody in um, AOS that she used to deal with is a god or or dead um, and she, she basically comes up with a plan to uh, effectively uh, become a god herself so she does her standard Marathi things of um, betraying people throughout the the books 
and am I right in understanding that that's already established, right? So that's pre, so like Marathi has been lying to the daughters of Cain for years, right? The sacrifices they're making to Cain in inverted commas are actually to feed the Shadow Queen, right? Yeah, exactly. So she's been lying for since since she emerged from Slaanesh, um, pretending that Cain's alive. And this is the sort of uh, her journey to becoming Cain or like effectively yeah. becoming the god that the daughters of Cain can can worship um so the kind of the quick tldr summary for marathi is that she and sigmar team up um and go into uh varantax maw which is where Warcry is kind of uh, based it's one of the sort of eight, um it's a place in the eight points um or it is the eight points but uh, effectively she uh persuades sigmar with the pretext of stopping some of Archeon's plans um and goes and invades with the idea that she wanted to um, stop the Gaunt Summoners using Varanite, which is like a, a realm of chaos, pure realm of chaos objects, sort of like um, yeah. um, the equivalent of um, the Aether Quartz, and the Haitian stuff and the, the Shaish uh, bits that they just come up with to suit their narratives. Yeah, um, yeah, Varanite. Exactly. Right, yeah, so Varanite. like Varangard, sure. Varen's yeah, fire, I mean, etc. It's a yeah. Yeah. Eight point exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, so anyway, so she um, she goes in with Sigmar, and then um, this well, Sigmar's not there, but Stormcast Eternals. Then um, as part of the um, the mission, she goes off with an elite crew of of her um, uh, some of her daughters, and she steals the Varenite herself instead of destroying it. And she escapes the realm of chaos, leaving uh, the Stormcast Eternal stuck inside the realm of chaos. Um, right. And we kind of don't really hear from them again. Uh, so for they, a bit. Uh, if they're stuck in the realm of chaos, they can't be reforged in Azir? So it depends on, on where they are in the realm of chaos. But for the sake of this, because the Gone Summoner is um, manipulated uh, the, the main gun summoner that they were kind of focused on, I can't remember his name, used Varanite to stop them being able to go back. So in I think in some parts of the realm of chaos, it is possible, but it's happened in Plague Garden, which is like a, a book by Josh Reynolds, like yeah. where they couldn't escape the Garden of Nergo. And this is another example where they're unable to do it. Um, and then, so Marathi ends up going back to her, uh, to Hagnar. And in the meantime, she's also stolen um, something called the um, Akatian Lantern. I'm definitely pronouncing that incorrectly. Okay. Um, which she had stolen it from the Deepkin, who had um, previously stolen it from Teclis back in the day. So it's like um, a mega artifact if it used to belong to a Teclis. Yeah, so Teclis used to use that to funnel the souls from Slanesh. Oh, um, wow. And... Uh, so she st steals that from the Deepkin. Then Deepkin and Slanesh um, track her down to Hagnar, and there's a big battle. Um, meanwhile, she so she is a Varanite, and she's got the lantern, and she ends up um, uh, traveling into the belly of Slanesh. Uh, so this is Act Two. This is Act Two now, right? This, this moves into Act Two, yeah, where she um, moves into the belly of Slanesh. Uh, and uh, extracts the souls of elf, elven kings from the old world. 
Um, and she goes through like the history of all the high elves from Warhammer Fantasy. That's um, cool. And they're name checked. They are like heavily hinted towards. Yeah. Um, rather than specifically name checked. But then she finally comes across what looks to be an Aryan who gets really um, annoyed and s- splits her in two. Uh, right. Which is why now there's a justification for using both Marathis on the table. Um, and so even though her ascension to godhood through this um, uh, endeavor works, it doesn't work quite as perfectly as she was intending. Out of, out of theological curiosity, is there some kind of line at which you, which GW decide that you become a god? Is it defined or is it like, oh, she's a god? Um, I think so the majority, the pantheon is all based around who actually was imbued with the, so the Age of Myth pantheon was all about who was imbued with the um, the magic the winds laws, of magic right? yeah yeah the who winds of magic back. the avatar of each realm effectively yeah except for gorka morka um was the um didn't actually appear in uh the old world it was um grimgore but other than him the pantheon yeah. exists uh effectively as as people who was imbued um or they were pre-existing gods as well but in terms of um in terms of GW, I think it's the first time we've seen someone ascend to godhood um, yeah. within the AOS lore. Because there was always a question in the old world setting as to whether or not Sigmar, who was worshipped as a god, actually qualified as a god. And the question was whether it's the worshipping or the manifestations that become the thing. And actually, Sigmar became a god in the transition into the Age of Sigmar. So by being reborn in the end times and creating the Age of Sigmar setting through the Age of Chaos and the Age of Myth, Sigmar becomes a god, but he was worshipped as a god whilst not being a god by the Warhammer Old World definition. Um, so it's all very, yeah, it's a good question because it's like, it has been answered, but also it's contradictory. Um, if the Old World lore is still canon to an extent, which might get retconned uh, with the new again. Yeah, I, I can imagine the the narrative and the world builders have like strong or at least thoughts on how it works um equally i think they're quite open in terms of just changing their um viewpoints and opinions sure. as it as it suits the narrative and how it develops and as um, real world theology works right yeah it's because i said so in this book exactly so Marathi ends up um, effectively becoming a god slanesh in the meantime as Marathi leaves slanesh um the Slanesh spits up uh, its newborn, uh, which ties into the newborn twins that we saw with the Slanesh book coming out. Yep, the peacock um, cloaks and all that. Exactly. The kippers with feathers, um, I think, is, is how I view them. Um, and then Marathi then speaks to uh, Deepkin and decide they hate Teclis more than each other, so they decide to ally and defeat the Slanesh who were invading Hagnar. Because they hate Teclis. Yeah, I mean, the Deepkin hides from Teclis, so even though they can ally with Luminous for reasons... Um, Sorry, what? They, the Deepkin... Because Teclis tried to kill them back in the day. Yeah, I know that. I didn't know that they could ally with Deepkin, uh, Luminous. 
I think so. I think you're right, because I'm sure George has sent me a list of horrible tech lists filled with eels. Yeah, but they, they it makes no dissolve, sense. Right? So that must be Luminous allying Deepkin, not Deepkin allying. No, yeah. but they update things. But surely if the Deepkin hates Techless because he fucked up making them and then tried to flush them down the toilet, literally, they wouldn't ally to him. But he is very powerful yeah, and a god, so maybe they didn't have a choice. Yeah, maybe it is Luminous can ally Deepkin. Yeah, I think that's it. But it still makes no sense. Yeah. Like ally cities of Sigmar, but not. Yeah, but that's the point. They're not technic. They're not really elves. They just have the keyword because he messed it up. That's like the whole narrative justification for Deepkin. It's why the thralls and the um, whatever the other ones are called are they reavers? The archers. Um, they haven't got eyes because Techlist messed it up. So they're technically not elves according to Techlist because he's a horrible xenophobe. Um, say, <laughs> GW introduces racism into their games. There you go. Uh, the elf god <laughs> has decided that some elves are not as equal as other elves. Um, uh, not elves that need to steal people's souls. Yeah. Um, oh, that's right. They also don't have souls. Sure. <laughs> that's <yeah>. the kicker. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, so that was pretty much the end of Act Two. Yeah, um, and then Act Three moves into uh, Marathi invading Anvilgard. Um, and that's the kind so of finally- dark elf city at the sea. So you've got fleet masters, um, hydras, corsairs, that that kind of stuff. Yeah, so it's the cities of Sigmar within the realm of shadow. Okay. Um, so uh, that's where the Anvil Guard Stormcast Stormhost is based, um, and so she decides to go into Anvil Guard as a obviously as a guest, um, and then she captures and tortures all the Stormcast, but doesn't kill them because she doesn't want them to like pop back to Sigmar. That's bleak. Um, it's so bleak, uh, and then also a good the way Stormcast of more Hydra models that they're trying to get. Together. That's true. Yeah, uh, possibly. And then the um, uh, the main sort of Stormcast um, Anvil Guard hero, who was kind of like the figure throughout the book, um, he got he was in prison, but mm-hmm. he got saved by what was described as a um, vamp or bat like figure, um, and it's implied this is either going to be Bellicor um, or a soul blight vampire because he um he has some vampire descendants so there's kind of hints that it could have been a, a vampire oh is this van brecht um, yes yeah who's a well stormcast he is a yeah. stormcast only yeah. because brecht is a famous german theater practitioner from the 1900s so it's stuck but there we go that is pretty much the end of um marathi which i think um quite long <laughs> so, she, so she's take she's basically taken over anvil guard at this point yes and renamed it to her new city which yeah. i should know the name of um yeah i can't remember something Haran. yes heart um i'm gonna get it because that's gonna annoy me so does that um there are Cities of Sigmar rules in the Marathi book. Is that for Anvilgard renamed? Harkaron is oh. the, the name. Yeah. And is is that Anvilgard as well? Um, yes, exactly. So Anvilgard's dead, like destroyed. Okay. So rules-wise, there are currently two rule sets for the city of Anvilgard um, in Cities of Sigmar. One, one allows you to take um, 
whatever the whatever the pirate dark elves are called and one yeah. that, and it allows you to take one in four units of daughters of cain right yeah so that's the new one the horror yeah. uh Quran. or cool. if you ally them in apparently you can take more than one in four according to yes because that's according to australian gamers yeah, because they're well, you can because they're allied in, so they don't gain the allegiance abilities, right? So, Cities of Sigmar in general as a book can ally with Daughters. I, I can see that being true, but annoying. So, if uh, anyone, in this, if anyone has in a Cities of Army that paints them black with red, red clothes, yeah, they have to repaint them because they're all dead. Yeah, no, they're just tortured. No, they're being tortured. Yeah, they're not dead. They're not dead. Well, they can't fight because they're all being tortured. Yeah, but they're not dead. They'll, they'll be fine. Yeah, but. But it's okay because uh, Sigmar will just create a new storm um, storm chamber with the same cloaks. Um, yeah. So that's Marathi. So she she's gone a bit evil. I say gone. She's continued being evil, but slightly more publicly. Uh, yes, she's much more open. And it, and it's good that Sigmar has learned his lessons around allying with idiots and, and allying with people. I wouldn't personally be putting Sigmar in charge. Um, I don't think anybody would put Sigma in charge. No, uh, but there we are. So the second book that came out, um, we talked about him already. Uh, he's a horrible xenophobe. Um, he's a twin. We've not really heard enough about his other uh, sibling yet. Um, it is, of course, Teclis, the kind of um, Sphinx-adjacent hovering god of the elves. Yes. Um, so... Sorry, so this... for a second. I think we have to celebrate the term Sphinx adjacent. That is, that is glorious. Well, he is Sphinx adjacent, isn't he? It's not exactly riding it. Um, that's um, such a weird model. Um, so this, I'll, I'll be much briefer here because I think it's a, a a pretty simple story. Okay. Um, I think without, and I, I don't think it loses that much by by kind of going quicker over it. Um, Teclis, the uh, Broken Realms Teclis happens at the same time as Broken Realms Marathi. Okay. Um, meanwhile, is, meanwhile, yeah, this is happening, right. and and it kind of makes sense because you know if Mar Marathi doesn't speak to Teclis, there needs to be some reason why Teclis, Tyrion, etc., aren't and the Gash aren't involved in what's going on. Yeah. Um, so, um, Nighthaunt invade Haish, as you do, yeah. um, and Teclis eventually saves the city, um, in uh, with his standard Teclis magic, and then he gets upset. And throughout the sort of theme of the 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 tome, he decides that Nagash needs to be shown that that he can be defeated, or and the people need to believe that Nagash can be defeated. I feel so like we know that just looking at the War Scrolls, don't we? Uh, for sure. Um, and the fact that the gas is 10% more expensive. But uh, he he effectively in Act 1 decides that, you know, enough's enough and he's going to go and, and he's going to tell the gas off. The gas is going to say no um, with his capital letters um, and scary voice. And then Teclis is going to decide to to try to, to fight him. Uh, and that's effectively sort of the, the act one story. Um, so he. I feel, um, I feel like I feel like when they were doing the points for all these models, mm. Nagash whispered in the rules writer's ear and said, "I'm way better than Teclish. Just put my points up." Yeah, foiled by his own hubris. 
Um, exactly. <laughs> so then, um, the, Alario comes into this um, a few times. Right. She doesn't play a major role, but she does have a cool and are a couple of interesting scenes uh, with Teclas. Um, usually, she's actually just quite judgmental towards him and, and his actions. He's a racist, um, and as what, we've discovered. It's pretty fair. She seems like out of she all the members, he completely screwed up the old world. Oh yeah, and and killed her daughter. Yes, he did kill her daughter. That is a very important bit of narrative information. Um, and his niece. Yes, same person. Yeah, um, Tyrion seems fine with it. Yeah, Tyrion. Yeah, I don't really get it. He was too well. I feel, guess he feels guilty because he killed like half the elves um, mm. when he was the Phoenix King or the whatever Marathi did to him. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Well, he was more so, than the Avatar. He was Cain, effectively, wasn't he? It's the living yeah. embodiment of the god. That's why it went so badly for everyone. I'd have to go and look at the dictionary definition of Avatar. Uh, sure, yeah. I mean, again, <laughs> if you want to look at War Scrolls, he wasn't a, the Avatar on a 40 mil base. isn't a god-level like thing, right? We digress. We do digress. Um, so, the Gash ends up uh, deciding to send three of his Mortarks, um, Arkan, Manfred, and Neff, to um, collapse some realm gates. Um, realm gates that are connected to Shaish. So he go- sends them to Haish, Gairan, and Shamon. Um, ultimately, sort of TLDR, they all fail. Um, they always uh, fail. Uh, the Mortarks are like they, the worst lieutenants imaginable. Like, they're so they bad. They really are. Um, the big um, the big news in Act 2 was that Arkan gets beaten by Eltharion yep. uh, and seems to be dead dead. Ooh. Ooh. There's uh, your spoiler. So he, falls, he falls off the edge of Haish um, and the edge of Haish like, made Tyrion blind, but apparently it's fine if you're already light or dead. Um, and it's implied Arkan is dead dead. But then you can fall off a realm, and we I've watched um I can't remember which one it was now. Full Dark World. Oh yeah. I, I, Loki fell off Asgard. He was fine. Yeah. He could be back. Was he beheaded? He, That's well, the most important thing. Mm. Well, possibly, but he doesn't appear in Gravelords, so he might actually be dead dead. Yeah. Or at least in long-term slumber, like he was after the... Uh, yeah, and with um, with Eltharion killing him, that's a neat little revenge for the Old World matchup where Arkan killed Eltharion, I believe. Yeah, for sure. So, so the, the elves really getting the upper hand, surprisingly, <laughs> in Broken Realms' techless. Yes, if it was Broken Realms' Nagash, we might be having a different story. Yeah, I mean, I, I suppose um, that the the narrative of death as a faction was pretty much AOS too, right? With Soul Wars and the Necroquake, so it's a it's a rebalancing of narrative power. Although I'm not sure that death has been the most powerful faction throughout AOS too. Maybe it's what the story's mm-hmm. been though. In the story, in theory, they are, and that's yeah. kind of the the point. So this this whole story is about Nagash kind of going back into Shaish and just being quiet. Um, So then Act 3 basically sees Nagash being upset uh, that Arkhan's dead dead. Um, 
he decides to invade Haish, um, does really well up until um, Teclis comes down, and then he gets sniped by a Luminarch, um, just as you do. Um, a, a Luminarch? Uh, yeah, a Luminarch, just, just one. Just like a turn. Um, no, actually, I... Fine, like... Yeah. There's like narrative behind it, but effectively he gets sniped by a Luminar. Right. Um, Doesn't like he get the, a four-up shrug against mortals. He feels it. He rolls a one. Wow. Um, I mean, I've, I've seen Kodos kill an ethereal stone. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. This All right. is accurate. Um, and <laughs> his books, his his nine books get destroyed. So I guess we we're expecting to see a new model. Um, because That's he can't possibly just. That's true. Yeah, he actually couldn't. He couldn't and cast he that many spells, right? Yeah, and he can't just like rewrite them. Yeah. Since he made them when he was mortal. I mean, you don't need um, a new book. You might just repaint the dust jackets on the books on his base, and like they're just different books. He needs. Yeah. He needs like a book gun, you know, like a chicken gun, but a book yeah. gun, so he can just fire nine arcane bolts at people. That's all he really does. That is literally all he does now. And one hand of dust. Hand of dust, like... portal, seven arcane bolts. There you oh, go. Perfect. Um, yeah, and that was pretty much the end. The gas gets defeated by Teclis. Uh, Teclis rewinds the uh, the necropick, so that's gone. And rewinds it, so just... it hasn't happened. Yeah, just, well, like just undoes it. Those yeah, so, so reverses yeah. The, the current effects. So no longer is like um Shaiish like dripping into other realms. Um and it's effectively narrative justification for Nagash going away for two more um sort of seasons of AOS. Yeah. So that he can come back um, with whatever his new Mortark is when they've made a nice big model and yeah I was I was surprised they didn't seem to have one for Grivlords. I mean, they've got um, the strange, like, dragon centaur vampire lady. She's not labelled Mortark, but she's a similar size model, right? And is named. Really? Yeah. You know the one I mean? The, like, yeah, yeah. One? Like, she's like the mother of vampires, is the, the name of the, of, is like her subtitle. That seems Mortarky to me. Like, if, if, um, what's the what's the Nighthorn one called? Olinda. Yeah, she's a Mortark, and she's not on a big flappy monster. Um, yeah. Anyway, I have a, I have a vision of what this Necroquake destruction looks like. Actually, I think they got two Luminarchs. Yeah. Right, and they pointed them at each other. Yeah. And they crossed the streams. Ah. Uh, never crossed the streams. Total positronic reversal. Brilliant. That's a reference that people of a certain age listening to this podcast might get. Um, <laughs> cool. So death is over. That's good. No one can die anymore, apparently. Yeah. And um, and spring is coming. So it's the sort of start of life. Spring is it's coming. very much like taking a, um, a, a Game of Thrones winter. Winter has yeah. been and gone. Spring is here. How lovely. Um, and with spring comes life and destruction. So life and destruction yeah i mean that that's pretty accurate so that's um that's techless we're we're not going to do kragnos yet because it's not come out so book three however um 
Bellacor, the Dark Master himself, has returned. You probably have seen the model. I think it'd be quite difficult to have missed the model. It's huge. Um, he's not a small model. And he's he's cool. And like people ran him. Uh, it's quite interesting um, that they're doing massive plastic versions of already popular models, right? We've got Croak. We've got uh, Bellacor coming out. Like These are established tiny fine cast figures from the early 2000s iconic, iconic indeed um and they're now massive plastic models that do much the same thing actually do we know what croak does yet or is that going to be in kragnos um it's going to be in kragnos in terms of rules but he's um involved in the narrative of um of Bellacor quite significantly yeah um so Bellacor. We've we're in spring. Destruction is coming, but not just yet. What's Bellacor up to? Yeah, so Bellacor happens, or the the story of Bellacor happens just after Teclas and Marathi. Um, effectively, Act One is all about um, Bellacor beefing himself up, saying that he's the smartest person and he's going to take over Arkan's position because he has he's jealous of his son, um, and he decides. Um, to destroy a, um, he destro- he decides to effectively destroy a silver tower, um, and in that process, will um, cascade a bunch of um, it. Effectively, cascades a bunch of. Um, oh no, he doesn't do that. Sorry, my bad. Bella Croak <laughs> does that, right? Croak does that. So. Um, it starts off, the Stormcast are trapped in the eight points um, from the Marathi story. Yeah. Uh, there's a gate in Gairan being um, held open and uh, by some Stormcast and Nurgle's attacking them from the Gairan side and the Stormcast and well, with Chaos are trying to return. Uh, Croak Seraphim decides to invade the eight points because he knows that um, the, destroying the Silver Tower will be beneficial to defeating Chaos because he's concerned the Chaos are becoming ascendant. Um, so he sends a bunch of Seraphon through the, the gate in Gairan, just ignores all the Stormcast and ends up starting to attack the Gaunt Summoner, who's who's the one who stopped all the Stormcast yeah. um, beaming back up. Um, then the Silver Tower shoots in the air like a spaceship. Um, enters right. into the realms, what is effectively the realm space, and okay. gets shot by some seraphim spaceships. Oh, so they are As star lizards again. They are, they're back to being star lizards. Okay, because there was a brief moment where they weren't, right? Yeah, yeah. So they reckoned the star lizards to say that, oh, it was only what people thought was happening because it was just a human's interpretation of the star lizards. Yeah. And then they changed it to say, actually, both exist. Here Whatever. is a spaceship. <laughs> yeah. Um, lots- Apollo 13 takes off, goes into space. Massive Moonraker battle, loads of people firing lasers. Bad guys die. Bad guys die? Effectively. Yes, Bad so the um, Silver Towers crashes into Shimon. So it oh. left um, the Realm of Chaos and fell into Shimon. Um, and when it fell and blew up, that's when all the realm gates around or Shimon sort of cascaded and blew up. Oh, wow. And Coke apparently, apparently knew that was going to happen, but thought it was okay. So 
the realm gates into Shimon don't work? Uh, a lot of them don't work. Okay. There's a f- so and a lot get very unstable. Yeah. So then Bellicor um, ends up teaming up with Lady Alinda as he does, even though she hits him for reasons. Um, yeah. And they go on lots of different um, attacks in Shimon. Like he sends a lot of his different armies and so does the Night Hunt to effectively destroy the unstable realm gates. Because he wants um, he wants to effectively, I guess, control um, how people enter and leave realms and stop the Stormcast. He wants to stop the Stormcast being able to yeah. beam up to his ear by destroying any sort of means of um, transportation. That's quite a common plan, really. Apparently so. I mean, a, I mean, it's a good so, plan. It's, it's definitely a plan. Um, it doesn't necessarily work um, and it's not necessarily clear initially that Bellicor is leading this it looks like a bunch of random attacks because he hasn't shown himself um, he also takes credit for giving the Seraphon the vis- vision of the Realm Gates because he says that he um, sort of sent out like magical uh, blinds right. blindfolds etc so he's 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 being chaotic exactly mm. um then we had sort of moving into act or sort of during act two gardas has a chat with croak uh and he's like dudes why you got why you guys not help Don't us because i thought you were croak yeah um and then croak just ignores him and then guard it gives vision uh gardas a vision of green skin green skins invading and destroying excelsius which is the city in gur Yep. Um, and then Gardas is like, I need to stop that. And then Croak says no and sends him and said, instead to uh, Vindicarium, which is the city in Shimon. So um, Excelsius has rules in the city of Sigmar, but um, I don't think Vindicarium has rules. I don't rules. think Excelsius has rules in cities of Sigmar. I thought, I thought no. Excelsius, Excelsius did. I think is. I, mean, I was just looking at your notes, Donald. That's Celestial Vindicators, which absolutely have rules. They they have they rules, have but, the, but the city have doesn't rules. have rules. Okay, yeah, have, yeah. Absolutely. Oh, and same with Excelsius, I guess. So that is my bad. That's because I don't know any order armies. Um, so yeah, so uh, Vindicarium's being invaded by Bellicor. Sort of Act Three is this incredible siege battle, and it's probably the best um, one that we've kind of seen inside the Age of K. Um, um, age of Sigmar. We've also got um, Ko, um, who's in Shimon, obviously, and yeah. the White Dwarf sort of appears, and he's like persuades them all to help out Stormcast, and ultimately they turn back the tide and beat um, the Stormcast, and, and Ko ultimately turn back the tide and beat um, Bellicor, and Bellicor course sees um the white dwarf and decides that he doesn't want to fight some old dwarf with a beard so the white dwarf and that's it obviously ended up being a relatively major player in the end times as well did he end up being an avatar he he's not grungy um no they're two different gods i think yeah um the dwarf Um, lore is something that kind of escapes me in general um having never played a dwarf army 
not sure. Um, so I think in the there dwarf are not hundred dwarf there, players. Yeah, that's true. I think in the dwarf lore they're they're all different, but effectively, it's, the white dwarf only has roles and godhood and ascension just because of the magazine. Yeah. Um, but the celestial vindicators are effectively wiped out in the big battle. Oh wow! Um, and the storm that stops uh, Stormcast beaming back up has kind of spread throughout Shimon. So that opens up an opportunity for Sigmar to create a storm chamber that can ignore the storm. Sure. Yeah, or he needs to make new warriors because his old ones aren't coming back to life. So you might as well upgrade their armor at the same time. Yeah, so that's a full that's a full repaint of anything turquoise as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. So Kurt that leaves us. That leaves us with Excelsis is still under attack, or has that fight finished? It, it's not clear if it happened if it happened at the same time, in which case it's already destroyed. Okay. Um, or that's what I would anticipate Kragnos to cover. Ah, uh, okay. So that's that's potentially overlapping slightly, but the narrative is around that point. So we've got so we've got Marathi revealing that she's evil techless being a bit racist but stopping the gash which ultimately is a net gain um because he was already racist so he might as well stop death and then finally we've got um stormcast not being able to regenerate bellacore teaming up with ghosts and the white dwarf becoming more than just a magazine yeah the white dwarf returning and hinting at like a potentially a reunion between fire slayers and chaos Fantastic. Um, well, that's us caught up to date with the narrative. I, I imagine we'll talk to you again about um, Kragnos as and when it comes out. Welcome back. Um, after our epic journey through the now pretty broken realms, um, we thought we'd take it a bit easier and uh, talk in the open section about um, board games. As listeners will know, uh, Andy and I have been playing a little bit of Warhammer Quest cursed city but it's far from the only modern iteration of warhammer quest um listeners are probably more familiar than i am with um blackstone fortress um i've not played it although i love a lot of the models that are in in the set um donald you've played a couple of games of it now yeah so we've done two so far two sessions so far and then third in a few weeks and um, um had you played any Warhammer Quest of any kind before? I hadn't. So this is my first foray into Warhammer Quest as a board game. Cool. Um, and in some ways, open play, because I hadn't really played much before, other than in terms of within Warhammer. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so... Um, Blackstone Fortress is obviously set in the Warhammer 40,000 universe. And as Andy made the uh, interesting point to me the other day, isn't it interesting how we're convinced that the shapes of things should be different depending on what setting we're in? So um, obviously now that we're playing Curse City, the tiles are a square set that you walk around in. But Curse City is a hexagonal um, board game. Blackstone yeah, Blackstone Fortress, which may or may not have Curse Cities within it. I don't know how Blackstone Fortresses work. They're big. And they're made of some strange obsidian material. Um, but yeah, it's it's a hex-based game, which presumably gives you at least two more options in terms of movement. Um, uh, yes. And um, I guess so. Yes, it does. So what were your kind of first impressions 
playing it. I've heard a few things about the similarities and differences, but I'd, I'd like to hear your take. Yeah, so first of all, shout out to Johnny who's organised it because he paints all the models for me and also coordinates the rules and the gaming. So nice. we're playing it just as a three player at the minute. So um, he controls the um, the enemies and the sort of AI, like follows all the dice rolling for the AI. So that sure. and then Sean and I are. Uh, playing two characters each so it's sort of four heroes and and then um, he does a lot of the background work so I think it's nice to kind of acknowledge that um, in terms of the actual gameplay it's it's fairly easy the cards the war scroll cards or the character cards are um, really just have a handful of um, uh, skills um and then they have different types of attacks and then specifically special rules as well so i imagine with blackstone we have a bit more shooting than in curse city yeah um, i mean i think most most some probably approaching half of the curse city characters have a ranged attack but they're like single they're often single shot yeah um, whereas yeah it's pretty like every or most characters, I think, have uh, some sort of ranged attack. And is, is, um, is it like a dungeon crawler, like like Silver Tower kind of was? Or is it, here's the map we're playing on, we need to start here, we need to go over there and do something? Uh, it's, it's, here's the map, and right. uh, you're coming into this lift, and you need to get to an endpoint. Um, and these, so... It works in, uh, you have an expedition and within the expedition, you have sort of challenges or um, uh, like uh, our sort of maps. Um, so there's eight, there might be eight sort of between, uh, there's eight sort of total either map or like campaign or, or challenge you have to do. The challenge could just be as simple as some, a couple of dice rolls um, or the maps are a bit more intensive when you have the enemies come up. Um, but it's not necessarily a dungeon crawl where you don't know where you're going. Like, you know exactly where you need to go and you and your group have to get there. Okay. So um, it's kind of strategic from the outset. That kind of makes sense within the setting as well, right? I'm rereading Eisenhorn at the moment and there's, you know, there's an assumed level of intel before you go and do something in a science fiction universe that perhaps doesn't exist in a fantasy setting. Um. So what? Yeah. So, so you, you're in you're in control of two characters, right? Yes. In this context. Um, yeah. So um, the f first two uh, sessions that I've done, I've been in control of um, the sort of traditional witch hunter type. Um, he's obviously not a witch hunter. He's like an inquisitor, whatever. Um, and uh, with a very similar sounding name to Jansen Derek, or right. whatever the. Like I, yeah, to Jelson the extent I can't Derek remember. To the extent the I can't Curse remember which one's which. Yeah, um, he's I, he's very similar. And then the uh, other characters I was controlling were actually two halflings or two ratlings, um, that work as kind of one overall character. Yeah. Um, and then throughout the, so the the way Blackstone Fortress works, so the, the sort of base campaign, um you have to uh, 
search the area that the enemies come, you get um, clues or you get to um, effectively tokens that you can then trade in the in the Blackstone shop. Uh, so the narrative is the Blackstone Fortress is this like um, sort of uh, massive alien technology that. Um, yeah, it was first introduced in um, Battlefleet Gothic, I think. it was. Uh, you could actually get the Blackstone Fortress as a model. It's like a, a space station that you could fight over as an objective within. And I think it had like actual damage rules as well within BFG in like, what, 1998, 99? It's a long time ago, but yeah. Doesn't feel like that long ago, but <laughs> it really but, is. Yeah, so so I mean, there's not that many in the in the 40k universe, and, and some are controlled by chaos, have been destroyed, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Mm. Um, but effectively, within the Blackstone Fortress, there's items, and so adventurers um, try to team up and and sort of defeat the um, or defeat the Blackstone Fortress or get to the treasure that they're after. Um, so once you once you've collected four clues, then you can go into a Blackstone um, uh, assault and, and fortress. Um, and so and he's just found is... the Blackstone fortress model from BFG. It's like 85 quid on eBay for this tiny lump of metal. <laughs> Ridiculous. And, and, and I can tell you right now, there's no hexes on that at all. Okay. So that's a new innovation. Um, so you, um, so yeah, so you, uh, during the expeditions, you, um, collect clues and you collect um, items. Uh, you can trade the items at the end of each expedition. And then you can, once you collect four clues, then you can actually go into a stronghold assault. And that's, and then you, throughout the Blackstone sort of campaign, you have to do four stronghold assaults and complete them to sort of win effectively. Okay, so you've not made it to your first one of those yet. We actually did, so we managed to okay. We, we got enough clues early in the first expedition to then in the second one do, do an assault straight away. So that, um, as an architecture, that's pretty similar to Curse City, right? Because yeah. Curse City, you level up to level one and then you have a gating, like a yeah. gating quest. You have to go and do a decapitation rather than assault, but it's the same thing, exactly. right? So there's yeah. like five or six decapitations and you do them at each level as you level up, one, two, three, four. So it's pretty similar. Yeah. And then we don't level up in a Blackstone Fortress. It's uh, you specifically buying items to kind of improve. And you can also get inspired, um, which improves your stats, the stat line. And is that just you literally flip the data slate war scroll over? Yes, exactly. Cool. So that's that's the same as in, um, yeah. And can... and. Do you inspire like during the gameplay? So like if you achieve something, you can flip your card to have better stats for that game or is it something you unlock during the campaign? So it depends on the type of um, character you are. Right. Some characters inspire if at the start of the expedition you have um, a specific item, which means if you have that item and you don't lose the item, and I don't know if there's a mechanic for losing something, but um, if you have that item, then you stay inspired. Cool. Because you have it at the start of the expedition. And then some inspire by completing a specific task, like killing a type, specific type unit, etc. Yeah. Um, so it really just, um, it really just depends. 
In the interest of keeping variety, though, we're switching over all our characters next time, which is more okay. something that we're house ruling rather than is a part of the game, yeah. just so that we don't get um, tired of playing the same same people. Which is technically harder to do in Curse City because once you've leveled, yeah, the game the game gets harder as you play with Curse City, right? So you, there is a catch up mechanic, but it's not immediate. So you would have to do yeah. you'd have to do a, a run of the game with level one and level zero characters in a level one setting whereas i guess that's not quite the same that's interesting no so um i don't think the because the um the expeditions i don't think they necessarily differ depending on levels you can actually just interchange them pretty quickly yeah um it'll just be a question of whether or not um we suffer at the at the hands of the enemy for it Mm. um we've also been a bit flexible in terms of um because johnny's painting everything and building everything we're not we don't want to play with unpainted stuff so we're yeah. like limiting ourselves to what he has i think so that's i think fair. it's going to get progressively harder yeah um, he paints he he's painting more space marines and uh, chaos space marines so i am terrified the Chaos Space Marine Lord in Blackstone Fortress is a super cool model, actually. I really that's like one of it's one of the games that first kind of introduced the new wave of plastic chaos stuff. I thought the the cultists and the traitor guard were very cool. And the um the Chaos Space Marines themselves in there are, you know, suspiciously a bit taller than the current multi-part plastic ones and um much more crisply sculpted. The only thing I kind of wish would be the or the only thing issue I have with the game at the minute is I feel like the the AI sometimes acts really stupidly. Yeah. Like in terms of, you know, oh if you can't see anyone, you just stand there instead of moving towards the nearest enemy. Yeah. Um so that's and, not the case in Curse City, right? The, you get you get rushed more often than not. They they have a kind of activity table, but they're like they're always aware that you're there. There's no there's no like stealthing around that can happen. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, there is some stealth. And also when you're behind cover, you know, you've obviously got like a better save. Um, So some shooty people will just stay behind cover, um, which kind of does make sense. Um, But equally, we were playing with some psychers the other day and the psychers were in a corridor, unable to see. And instead of kind of moving forward, they just kind of, whatever Johnny kept on rolling, he kept on standing there with them. And it meant that like we could have just run up and stabbed them instead of being terrified of these psychers who should otherwise have been doing yeah. terrible things to us. Um, having said that, because they didn't do anything, we actually managed to complete the assault because otherwise we would have all died. <laughs> so yeah, swings and roundabouts. I think um yeah. Something I've noticed with the with well having played Curse City and I actually after we talked about Blackstone Fortress the other day I watched a, a YouTube video about it and um, we um, I think these games stand up to a bit of kind of ready reckoning and house ruling right Yeah, I think so for sure. Um, you know they they're really good mechanically, but then you come across stuff that just doesn't make sense. And I think you know the way you're running it with Johnny effectively being games master sounds like quite a good way of dealing with that. I mean, we we've just kind of agreed with Curse City. Oh, well, that seems stupid. Let's do something different to what technically has been rolled. Um, and that generally comes up when it's like the actions or the spawning of uh, adversaries. 
Honestly, I think it makes such a difference. It's it's such a nice mechanic having someone control the AI because I've been thinking about doing um, Curse City with Curse, like my wife. Yeah. Um, and it's just so much more admin having to do all these rolling. And I think it would lose the enjoyment if that was all under all something I had to do. Sure, yeah. I, li- I like the idea of Kirsty City. Kirsty City. Yeah, Kirsty City is a, a terrific idea. Um, yeah. Equally, when I suggested to her that I wouldn't play it with her, like I wouldn't brush to paint it, she was like, I'm okay with that. So she's less <laughs> less enthused. Than, the enthusiasm than is not necessarily there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, she was like, I was just going to do it because you were making me. <laughs> I was like, okay. Yeah. And I kind of... <laughs> Final thought on those sorts of games, like weirdly, uh, like we're at a point where it looks like Curse City is not going to get further support, which I think is a real shame. Um, but of course, Blackstone Fortress has got like quite a lot of expansions at this point, right? And I, I think I'm right in saying that Johnny's got some of them, if not all of them. I think he's got all of them. Um, so we are just going to do the initial one, obviously, to begin with. And then we're going to roll into the various expansions. And some of the expansions are um proper expansions and i think some of them are just like here's some more enemies type thing yeah sure um <laughs> yeah like, the amber, yeah, like that was honestly, why the wolf rules was next that was a um necromunda release the amber oh the, the dreaded amble the yeah the the armor one um, um i think we've roughly worked out there's enough for like 12 sort of 12 sessions like a year of playing which is is probably plenty for us yeah, I think um, that's slight, slightly fewer sessions than Curse City, but it seems like a reasonable number. Um, how how I long think it's do you only because think... we we've done the stronghold assaults because because we immediately did a stronghold assault. I think we were anticipating it would take more expeditions to get there. Yeah, that's reasonable. Um, how Which how is long is each game taking? Do you think? Um, each expedition was probably taking three or four hours. Um, okay. The first one probably took longer. Um, and also, um, I keep on bringing my baby to, to them, so that occupies a little bit of time. Um, but yeah, I think three hours is three, four hours is probably it's very much we do it over like a Sunday sort of, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, not rushing, relaxed, yeah, like a relaxed approach, not necessarily rushing. Cool. Um, uh, but thankfully, we can do it inside going forward. Yeah, that will be nice. <laughs> yeah. Um, fantastic. Well, I I always kind of wanted to play Blackstone Forge. I, I think Necromunda and um, Inquisitor are scratching that itch for me in 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 the short term. But it's something that I'd I'd like to play through probably once we've finished Curse City because um, I like the mechanics of those style of well, dungeon crawler games, even if they're not kind of random dungeon crawlers. Um, and there seems to be quite a lot in common in them. Um, the development away from Silver Tower is quite interesting. Um, Blackstone Fortress is way more fleshed out and concise. And then they've obviously added some stuff back in for Cursed City to make it take a bit longer, presumably, to play through the yeah. what's ultimately quite an expensive box set if you're only going to play it 10 times. But if you're playing it closer to 20, then actually the, the money is probably a slightly better thing. Cool. Um, um. I quite I, the thing that I want to try now is um, Path to Glory. I think, yeah. Uh, if slow, like slow grow, yeah, like a slow grow Path to Glory open, like just reason to sort of paint just ad hoc models. Yep, and not necessarily painting like 
a whole unit at a time, given how slow I am with my ogres these days. <laughs> they um, have a lot of surface uh, area, to be fair. Fantastic. Actually, I, I might actually pick up some of those new Stormcast models because we've identified the paint scheme that might be quite fun. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, I might join you in that donor because I think I've got a fast Stormcast scheme to do different. Yeah. Is that is the fast Stormcast scheme Adam painting it for you or is it is it no, something I'm, that I'm busy with other Andy's things? Gonna do? No, he's 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 busy with um you know, building a painting franchise. No, yeah. This, this, one, this one's uh, for me. I wanted to do, because ultimately I think the Stormcast stuff lends itself to metallic rather than matte paint. Um, so I wanted to do a metallic, but I didn't want it to be like gold or silver or the usual. So um, I, I've got to do a test model on it, but what I want to do is copper with sky blue effluent. What color would you use? Um, I've got I pre-ordered in, in advance of trying it on the test model um, a pot of Vallejo metal paint, metal color copper. So I'm going to wear the I've, copper on, and then just put the, the blue on top. Metal color copper is a bit of a, a tone. Metal color copper. Um, I actually have have that. I could have just lent it to you, but. Um, I watched a great um, YouTube video the other day of someone creating um, effectively like a metal contrast um, wash. So they used the um, Vallejo metal color dual aluminium and then used like burnt umber, uh, Dale Rowney burnt umber. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then some glaze medium and something else and effectively then created this really beautiful metal wash. They, they do one coat and it just works really well. Um, I will do indeed. Awesome. I uh, think that's the thing. Marco for me, from but... Not Just Meta, uh, Mecca, for um, it, he's an that, incredible painter. Is that the guy you sent me a video for earlier with the oil wash? Um, Bam. Yeah. Done. Yeah. yeah. I quite like that. Um, um, I have some thoughts about the oil wash, but we can talk about that on Monday. Um, yeah. It works for some things. And I was like, I was like, oh, I will talk about it now. Like, it works visually on the model, but then I was thinking about, well, how, how would, like, the only reason there are folds in the cloth is because of the way that it's currently falling and the, the model is a frozen image. Like, does it actually make sense that there'd be more grime in the recesses on a banner when the banner would just be flapping and it's just, it's frozen in that moment? So I'm, I'm not sure that the oil wash is your friend in that context. It's a big, it's equally, a, it's would, a big question. You would re are you, are you equally you would recess would fall in real life or just what aesthetically looks good? Both. That's not helpful, is it? No, but equally the the uh, the <laughs> interesting. Yeah, I'm right if you were to, if you were to highlight, if you were to highlight, it's the same with robes though. Like oh, yeah. just because there's like it's the same logic that you would apply to everything, in which case you would never use an oil or like a, a recess washing. You do it as much for shadow as um uh, yes, which is yeah, which is anyway. why which is why what the oil wash is for. It's effectively a shadow. Great, can't wait to see it. Yeah, I'm just going to ruin this uh, freehand that you're going to teach me. So. I don't think you will. I think, I, the thing is, it's going to look really good on the model and it's an established thing, but it, you, we were talking about like doing like textures, right? I know you've been doing lots of stippling, like cross hatching and stuff with um, cloth. I've been working a lot with metals. We're talking about doing like different stuff for new Stormcast as well. The idea of them not having like 
you know, um, space marine style armor, but it actually being metallic, I think is really important. And I was thinking about like, okay, so if we're painting texture and you get, you see all this amazing Blanchester stuff with oil wash. And honestly, I've painted loads of stuff like that. Like all, all of my eighth edition and 40K armies were like mega grimy um, and you've owned a couple of them. So, you know, but then I was like, is that how cloth works? And I'm not sure that it is. So I'm, I'm going to have an experiment and, and find out. Did you, I think. did you watch the rest of the video to see the overall effect though? No, but I will do. Okay, we'll do I'm that. I'm just spouting at the moment. But, and I'm not yeah, judging I, it. I'm, just, like it's, it's, I'm, th I'm thinking about it as like a thing to use because it looks great. And I'm like, it looks great, but it's, does it look right? And yeah, so I'll, I'll watch the rest of the video and that's... Um, yeah, or even just skip to the end and see the the color because yeah. you obviously then integrate it into to other elements. Um, yeah. And the benefit of oil is that it's more forgiving, so you can actually take it out if oh, you if can it rework it work. for a long time, right? Yeah, and that's yeah. the whereas yeah. whereas actually, like if you did like an agrax wash or whatever, even just adding recess over a freehand, like that would be terrifying because you can't undo it. I do that all the time, and it is terrifying. Yeah. You're a monster. Um, <laughs> you can re-highlight as long as you as long as this, you're using like sepia. Anyway, this is this has gone off on a strange tangent. <laughs> yes. It's better if you just glazed properly than I charge by the hour, so if you want me to glaze properly, then that's fine. Nice. Excellent. Um, on that bombshell, um, we're going to wrap up for this evening. I'm really excited now to hear what's happening in Kragnos, not least of all because I want to paint Kragnos and I'm excited to see Donald's Kragnos as well. Kragnos is the sort of word that if you say it a few times in a row, it sounds like I'm saying it wrong. Um, it it is a made up word. all meaning. Yeah. Um, and, and so far it has very little meaning to us, um, but we'll find out a bit more about Kragnos soon, hopefully. Um, we're going to be playing a few more games going forwards. Alex is going to be talking to us again about Necromunda and Inquisitor, so it might get a bit more sci-fi after uh, our discussion about Blackstone Fortress. Um, so we will catch you next time. Thanks to Jay Channer for the music, which I will be editing in at some point this week before Friday when you're listening to it. Um, and um, as uh, I've said for the last few episodes, we currently have 10% off at Exit 23 Games. Um, the discount code for listeners is ANGEL2021, and the A in Angel is capitalized. Um, thanks very much. Um, we will see you next time. Bye. <laughs>